If you will, please, I'd like you to go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians and the ninth chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Great meal today and the good time of fellowship as well. I praise the Lord for the hospitality that is experienced here. You set a high standard. You make the Lord look good. I praise the Lord for that. Brother Sanchez, what a wonderful presentation. It's not because of my love for you that I didn't see the mistakes. It wasn't what I was focused on. We saw your ministry. And that was good. Praise the Lord for that. Brother Henderson, praise the Lord for what God's called you to do. I'm excited for you to see Brother Henderson's presentation believe you'll be encouraged and blessed by that as well. I hope you found your places now in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. And I'd like you, if, uh, if you're physically able and desire to, I ask you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel... I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law that I may gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, I thank you for the privilege to be here tonight to stand and read your word in the hearing of your people. Thank you for the simplicity that we find in your word. And I pray tonight as we pursue the the theme, the path that you've chosen for us, that we will look at ourselves and look at your word and look at you and just simply say, I'm your servant. What do you want me to do? Father, help us as we study this passage tonight to further our knowledge in this area. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're on the search of our theme. Let's make me a servant. Could I make a practical illustration or use a practical illustration? What does a servant do? When he hears a missionary like Brother Henderson stand and speak about what God has called him to do, what does a servant do? He listens and he thinks, maybe me. No, 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 I want to go to that given stuff. No, it's, Master, if you want me 
to have nine children. And no, sorry. If if you want me to go to Guam, I will. We say, ah, Brother Henderson, wow, that's superhero status going to the mission field. This is great stuff. I'm going to tell you, Brother Henderson is just a nobody, just like the rest of us. And God saved him. There's a picture in Brother Henderson's slide presentation. Is it still the same one that you make me watch over and over again? No, just kidding. (laughs) There's a picture that you can see visually in just a moment from where God brought Brother Henderson to now, and you'll get it, and you'll say, wow, that was like me. The verse he quoted, such were some of you. That's where all of us come from. So a servant listens to a presentation. What does a servant do when he watches a multimedia presentation? The servant listens and watches and say, God, is there something you want me to do there? You say, well, that's, that's a lot of pressure. It's no pressure. It's just saying, Master, is this my area? And maybe all God wants for you to do is become a prayer partner of the Hendersons and of the Sanchezes. And just pray for them. But you're not going to know that. God said, let there be light. (laughs) Wow. It's got the little Benny Hinn thing going on there. Just kidding. Put my hands out and wham, the lights come on. What are the neat tricks do we have? Was that you, Brother Farley? You did that? Yeah, whatever. And so, he wasn't even paying attention. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a servant watches everything and says, is that for me? He said, Brother O'Malley, if I start saying, is that for me to everything that happens around here? You might just get used. We might have you a spot on the bus route. Might have you a place in the nursery. Might have you a place cleaning up. Might have you a place cooking. Might have you a place teaching. And we might have a place for you in the next missions conference. Because God's called you somewhere. Servants don't pick the place. Servants just make the choice to serve. So when we contemplate our theme, make me a servant, we have to clearly recognize that this is a decision that we have to make. It indicates that I have a master if I'm a servant. It indicates that I have a mission, something That my master wants me to do. I have a mandate. That is to say a task to fulfill for him. So when we say make me a servant. It's saying that I have. It indicates I have a relationship with the master. He is Lord. I am servant. Don't ever get those confused. You'll get frustrated. If you think that you're the boss of God. You'll be frustrated. Say, well, I am frustrated. Go to an altar and remind yourself you're a servant. I've got an owner who paid a price. I have an obligation 
to perform. Lastly, we learned this morning, I have an opportunity to pursue something to do for Him. Paul was one of those kind of servants. And where we pick up reading here in 1 Corinthians 9 is so unfair to start to read 9 without reading chapter 8. I won't read all of chapter 8. How about I read just the last verse of chapter 8? And that gives you the headway into chapter 9. Because Paul is going to help us pick up from where we left off this morning. We have an opportunity to pursue. So chapter 8 is this great chapter. I think that it is prudent for every believer to know the essence of chapter 8. Because it settles so many issues in life. And it simply comes from a question that the church of Corinth had. You could go to the temple of idols and buy meat at a discount. It's kind of like Walmart for food, whatever. But... There they got these people go and they worship their false gods. They offer up these meat offerings to them. The priest takes them and out the back sells the meat that's offered to idols. You could buy it at a discount. Some Christians looked at that and said, wow, I am not going to touch that at all. That was offered to a false god. I want nothing to do with it. Others looked at it and said, bargain. The idol is nothing. The meat is something. Discount. Well, that's the struggle between the pragmatic and the philosophical. And I could argue both. The fact that the idol is nothing, that means that nothing happened to that meat. They handed it to a guy who took it, received it as an offering, and then sold it out the back door. And then I could look at that and say, you know, wow. That violates my conscience to think that that was offered up as an offering to an idol. I want nothing to do with it. So Paul addresses that at all in chapter 8, verse 13. So here's Paul's summation of all of it. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Say, but, but what if Paul said, I could eat that? Paul said, I could eat it. But I'm not going to do it if it offends somebody. That is a life lesson. So, well, I have the liberty to eat what I want to eat. Yep. But you also have the responsibility to not offend. So, well, I shouldn't be the weaker brother. You are weak. In some areas. You have a troubled conscience in some area. And therefore Paul said. The way I look at it is. It's not about my liberty. It's about your offense. That's a great life lesson to apply. 
and teach your children as well. So when we look at chapter 9, Paul asks, I think it's like 16 questions back to the church at Corinth because he's following up on this principle. Paul was a guy that was do as I do kind of fella. It's not just do what I say, but do as I do. And so now he's, they are questioning his apostleship. So he just slams that down. They talk about, well, you're not a normal kind of guy. No, Paul wasn't normal, but he didn't do normal stuff. God loves abnormal people. Look in the mirror. So Paul gets down to explaining how the liberty philosophy that he had affected him. Does a believer have liberty? The answer is yes. The word of God says the believer has liberties. But there should be no point in my Christian life that I should abuse my liberties for my own good and offend you. Specifically, not you, but you representing all of mankind. You're welcome. (laughs) If I didn't love Brother Gokenauer so much, I would make a comment considering the short people at Amazing Grace Mission. I'm letting that go. It's because I love you. I'm letting that go. If it weren't for Pastor Gokenauer, Brother Gokenauer, my brother-in-law would not be where he is today. And he's a pastor in South Florida because of Brother Gokenauer's investment in my brother-in-law, who ended up not living for himself, but going to Bible college, trained for the ministry, and serving the Lord in West Palm. I can still make short jokes, though. And God gets the glory for that. I know, Brother Gokenauer, I know. So Paul is even being challenged on whether he could charge for his work, saying that he would be chargeable to a church. And Paul said, look, I'm providing for myself. I'm not, Barnabas and I both have labored with our own hands. We have the liberty to do that in our ministry, to not simply say, okay, we'll live off the offerings of the church, but we'll work. And then he gets to, the part where we have the connection between make me a servant and this text. Because it picks up from where we left off this morning that as a servant, it means I have an opportunity to pursue. So Paul gives us three things about servant living that we need to pay attention to in our lives. Verse 19. The first thing I see is Paul's declaration. For though... I be free from all men. The declaration Paul is making is a follow-up of verse 13. And that's why I went back to that so you could see it. Paul said, I am free from all. I am not under the power of any man. I am not under the power of anything. But under, under whose power was he? He was a servant of God. Romans 1.1. Galatians 1.10. First uh, Timothy, the book of Titus. Each of these, Paul declares that he is a servant of the Lord. 
So he's made up his mind. He's, he's, if you will, if we make this a prayer, make me a servant. He's made that prayer and he said, God, make me that. And did God make him a servant? Clearly, God made Paul a servant. But it's in order for you to understand what it means to be a servant, you have to make this declaration. I know I am not bound by any law, any legalism, or any other thing. I am just bound to Christ by grace. You say, well, well, Brother O'Malley, if Paul was free from all, how did he get to this place where he said... Next phrase, for though I be free from all men, he said, yet have I made myself servant unto all. So we go from a declaration that Paul makes by saying, I am free. I'm free from emotional constraints. I am free from earthly constraints. I am free from every constraint that man could put on me, whether it's about my pay, whether it's about I'm married, whether it's about whether I really am an apostle. I am not bound by any of those things. So he's saying, well, he's a a, a libertarian or a libertine. Total liberty. I don't want anybody to tell me anything. But Paul said, no. Besides my declaration, I need you to know the second thing about servant living. And that is my decision. What was Paul's decision? It starts with this idea where he says, Yet have I made myself servant unto all. Paul's Paul's declaration was, I am free. Paul's decision was, I will serve. You say, well... Why on earth would he go through all of those verses of talking about how he had absolute liberty and total freedom and not be bound because he said, this is what I'm signing up for. I'm signing up, deciding to be a servant. Make me a servant. One, there's a declaration of I am free because of the grace of God. And then it follows up with a decision. I will make myself a servant. I believe the year was in the 1700s. And from Copenhagen, there were slave ships that were people who were taken from Africa and taken to the West Indies to be slaves. It is an embarrassing time in our history that that would take place. These slaves would be hauled by the shipload to St. Thomas, St. Croix to work crops treated terribly, shoved onto slave ships. This one specific ship was a British man who owned the ship. He was the slave trader. And he would take these slaves, mostly from West Africa, and take them to the West Indies for these crops that they were raising. 
two Moravian missionaries. There were 24 of them that went. 22 of them died in the process of serving those West Indians. There was this one slave trader who said, because they would try to appeal to him to say, I want to go on the boat with these and I want to evangelize them. I want to go to those islands and evangelize. Will you take me? And he said, if I ever find that a missionary ever got on my boat, they would never return again. Well, these young men wanted to go. They felt God had called them. So they did something that few were willing to do. They went to the slave market. And they sold themselves as slaves. They were born free men. They gave up their citizenship. They gave up their identity. They gave up their family. They gave up their friends. They were free. The moment they walked into that slave market, they were free men. But there was something called a call of God on their lives to reach these who were going to these islands as slaves. They knew what this slave trader had said. And they figured it out. Then if the only way for me to fulfill the calling of God in my life is to go and be a slave and sell myself on the slave market, then that is what I will do. Paul said, I am free from all men. Yet, have I made myself a servant unto all. These two particular Moravian missionaries boarded that ship as slaves. They were never heard from again. Ever. The last words that they were heard saying were the words that their friends who were on the shore heard. Those who didn't sell themselves into slavery. The last words that they heard were these two young Moravian missionaries who would say, May the Lamb be worthy of the sacrifice of this reward. May He find what we're doing acceptable for the price He paid. And they cried as they went out into the harbor and the ship was leaving and their friends stand there weeping. The difference between those who left and those who stayed were those who said, I will find a way to do what God wants me to do. I will sell myself into slavery so I can be what God wants me to be. Heroic doesn't even cover it. Stunning doesn't even describe it. Mind-blowing 
may be the starting phrase. Now, some of you parents may want to sell your kids on certain days, but for real. Who would be willing to do that? To say, I'll sell myself as a slave to reach the people to whom I've been called. Paul was free. The Moravians were free. But they knew that if they became a servant, they could reach more. I think in every believer's life, there has to come the moment of declaration. I know I am absolutely free from the law. I am free from legalism. I am free from Judaism. I am free from men with weak consciences. I am free. But I've made my decision, and my decision is this. I will make myself a servant. Making ourselves do stuff. That's tough. Brother Farley was in the kitchen here this afternoon. And uh, someone had reserved for him his own private bowl of banana pudding. Sorry, I didn't know if that was a secret or not. But it fit and so I had to use it. Everything is fair game, right? He got that bowl of banana pudding and declared that something to the effect that it was straight from God. We'll not get into the doctrine of that. Showed it to me. I'm free from all men. Uh, showed it to me. And I'm going to have to tell you, it looked good. That's more carbohydrates that I've eaten since February in that one bowl. And I looked at that and it was tempting. I don't think he was really sharing. I think he was showing. There's a difference, you know. But I had to make myself say no. Making ourselves to do stuff that is against what we want to do. That's a challenge. But Paul's honesty, his transparency, it's so clear. He said, I made myself do this. Those Moravians went to the marketplace and sold themselves. They made themselves do it. Everything in their conscience would say, you're a free man and you're an idiot if you do this. But they said, no, the master's call is on our lives. Think of all of these slaves that we will reach and we'll go to the field. And they said that some of these Moravians would go to these sugarcane fields and they would work in those fields and they would preach while they worked and they would get whipped for doing so. And yet they would come back and they would go out the next day and do the same thing again, constantly pursuing the gospel's message. Because somebody made the decision that said, I'll make myself a servant. You 
You say, boy, that's good for those missionaries. They need to hear this stuff. Everyone needs to hear this stuff. It's not about ordination. It's not about a church's commission. It's about grace. To say, my declaration is I am free. But my decision is to be a servant. You say, is there any joy in serving Jesus? Brother Gokanah, how long have you served the Lord? 63 years. Brother Gokanah was a teenager before I even showed up on planet Earth. And, Brother Gokanauer, I'm I know I'm not putting you on the spot, though others may think I am. Brother Gokanauer, is it a joy to serve the Lord? Mrs. Gokanauer, every Saturday going out to the prisons and jails, whatever, and you have that time of ministry. It's not like you all could go to Florida and retire. Oh, wait, you are here. There's just nothing better to do than serve the Lord. Brother Sanchez, Sister Fina, it's a joy to serve the Lord, isn't it? I saw those pictures of Fina there in the kitchen and with the ladies, and I thought, look at the joy that's radiating from her life. You say, but they're servants. They're having fun. Don't bother them. Is there a joy in serving Jesus? Where's Bill? Bill, Bill. Kim came to church. What? Look at that. <laughs> Bill, you were on the bus route today. There's a joy in serving the Lord, isn't there? Hear those kids sing? It's the first thing I heard when I got on the campus today of the church. The kids coming in. Singing, Jesus loves me. I want to tell you that buoys the spirit. It just raises the, the level. And you say, oh, what a joy it is to serve God. You say, but you're surrendering all of my rights. I have no rights. I am nothing. That's because you're a preacher. Well, no, I'm nothing because I'm a sinner. Their declaration is clear. Everybody wants to proclaim liberty. But is your decision clear? So, well, why would I decide that? Well, let me get back to the verse. I'm on verse 19. The first phrase of the verse was Paul's declaration. He had liberty. I am free. Yet I've made myself servant unto all. That's Paul's decision. He said, I will serve. Look at the last phrase, if you would, please. That I might gain the more. You say, what, what, what is he talking about? That I might gain the more. Why did the Moravians go? To gain the more. Gain the more. What is he talking about? 
This isn't like an anti-diet plan here, gain the more. This is winning, if you'll allow me to say it this way, winning souls to Christ. It's bringing the gospel to people. Paul's determination. We have Paul's declaration. We have Paul's decision. And then we have Paul's determination. What was his determination? Well, his declaration says, I'm free. His decision was, he said, I'll serve. And this, his determination is, I will evangelize. Paul made himself a servant so he could reach more people for Christ. This servanthood is not about you getting a badge that says, servant guy, right here. Mark it down. I'm a servant. I've been a servant at this church before this building was here. I've served God since the old property. I'm a charter servant. No. Servanthood is saying, I sold myself at the slave market so I could win more for Christ. These next verses tell us of four people groups that he was working with. The Jew, the legalist, the, those with a weak conscience, and those who are under the law. These are the ones Paul said, or the Gentile, I, I doubled up one, the Gentile. Because in each case, now, I don't want you to think this is, and I've heard this, these verses abused, so let me fix that abuse real quick. I don't get drunk to win the drunkard. I don't do coke so I can reach the coke addict. I don't smoke crack to reach the crack addict. I don't do what they do to get where I need to get. What I have in the precious word of God is a pure gospel. When Paul talked about Becoming all things to all men that he by all means might gain or save some. He was saying this in the sense of the, con- the, the contextualization. That is to say, to the Gentiles, he was careful not to emphasize the ceremonial law. To the Jew, he was careful not to put greater emphasis on the legal side of things. To the person whose conscience was easily, easily troubled, he did not put great bearing on him. He worked within every area. And you will find in your life, as you work amongst people, there will be some people who are easily offended. And you'll adjust the delivery of the gospel. You will not adjust the message of the gospel. Is that clearly understood? He said, that sounds like compromise to me. Did I hear you say amen to what I said, preacher? Good. So it wasn't compromised because I just threw him under the bus with me. (laughs) When we deal with someone with a conscience that's easily troubled, that's a weak conscience person. Their conscience is easily troubled. We carefully deliver the gospel's message to them. We carefully teach them. When we have somebody who is coming from, let's say, Brother Sanchez, working with a Roman Catholic uh, background, which I love the way you disarmed them 
in your thing. I don't believe in the nuns. I don't believe in the priests. I don't believe in the Pope. I don't believe in Mary. I don't believe, but I'm Catholic. Well, you got to start on that one and as well as he did. And that's, I think, um, Spain has more Catholics per capita than Rome, than Italy does. If I remember right, I think Spain is over 99% or 98% Catholic. So you have to work with people where they are. But we never, ever, ever compromise the truth of God's word. To do so is to be destined for failure. So when I contemplate me becoming a servant, it's not for me to boast myself, but rather to say, who can I reach more? Because of becoming a servant. The Gentile, the Jew, the legalist, the weak. I'm just going to do this so I can reach more people for Christ. So pastor said, let's make the theme, make me a servant. And so that brings us to 1 Corinthians 9. Everybody, I think, is on board with point one. I'm free! You know, it's your brave heart moment. Freedom! It's that... Sorry. Just a little distracted. It's... You okay, ma'am? Just breathe. It'll be fine. You got that? You say, I'm free from all men! But have you made the decision Paul made? I'll sell myself on the marketplace of slaves because I want to evangelize the world for Christ. You say, I'd never do that. You make me pity you. Because there is a joy in serving Jesus. Ride a bus some Sunday. Go sit in a Sunday school class that's not your own and watch that teacher communicate the word to that. Go visit a missionary on the mission field and you'll find out that this idea of becoming a slave, why it might be spooky to you, and to say, I'm kind of scared about that old slave-servant business. I don't know about this make-me-a-servant stuff. When you're a servant, you know you're in it for one thing. That I might gain the more. Do you know why we've hung the flags and we brought in these missionaries? Well, one, we do like to eat, but that's not why we did it. We did it so we could say, here's my decision. I'll be a servant to see souls saved. I wonder who here tonight would find a spot at this altar and say, make me a servant so we can gain the more. Say, oh, Brother O'Malley, this soul winning business, this world evangelism business, that's the job of the missionary. We give money here to outsource our evangelism to them. Really? No? We hire them on to help us where we can't get to. We just need servants. So I, I'm not selling myself as a slave. 
Just simply say, God, make me a servant. It's worth it for the souls of men. He said, I'm free. I will serve. And I will evangelize as a servant. Would you stand with me?